0: Pastor Simon, would you please come give us the word? Welcome, Pastor Simon. Good morning, church. Good morning. Always great to be in the house of the Lord, and we get to worship in song. We get to worship with our offerings. We also get to worship in word. So this morning when we receive the word, see it as a time where you can receive from God as a form of worship unto him. Amen. Amen. We have been doing this uh, series called The King's Letter, a love letter from our Lord and Savior. This is to say to us that whenever we read the Word, we don't just go to the Word and read it like a novel. We go expecting Him to speak to us. Can I hear amen to that? We go to the Word expecting Him to speak to us. That's what God has done for us. He's given us this amazing love letter. So we are doing this book called The Song of Solomon, or The Song of Songs. So for those who may not know who I am, I am Simon Lerifolo. I'm one of the pastors here. Some of you may know Pastor Roger Pierce, who is preaching in Venda this morning. We do have an Every Nation Church at the University of Venda. And we are blessed to be able to do the things that God, to see the things that God is doing in our nation. Despite the negative that's happening, God is at work. Amen. Amen. The Book of Song. Of Solomon has got three things to it that I believe are speaking to us this morning. Pastor Roger last week touched on these three things. It is the mystery and the marvel of love and marriage, the beauty and the sanctity of sex, and the silhouette of our Savior and the church. So we're not focusing on the first two, we are focusing on the last one. If we were to put it in a different form, I would say that the book of Songs of Solomon has three things to it. It speaks about affirmation or affection that God has for us that is seen in the mystery of marriage and love. Also, the second thing about this book of Songs of Solomon, it's got this analogy that speaks to us about the beauty and the sanctity of sex. And the last one, it's an allegory that speaks to us about the silhouette of our Savior in the church. I believe an allegory for us is a fiction that's got a hidden message to it. And this morning, I've got a privilege of unpacking this hidden message for us. So today, we'll be focusing on pursuing God, or the heart pursuit of God, being God chasers, being people who are after God's heart because He's constantly pursuing us. God is... Is constantly pursuing us. The best we can do is to pursue Him back. If you have your Bibles, open with me in Songs of Solomon, chapter 3. We'll be focusing on chapter 3 and chapter 5. Chapter 3, it speaks about the bride's dream. The bride is the Shulamite woman going after and looking after her beloved. With the kind of worship we had this morning, I just want to remind you that whenever we come to a house of worship, we come to meet the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. We do not come just to have a tick box. We come to meet Him who loves us. And we're going to end up in chapter 5, what happens when men stop pursuing God. What happens when we, humankind, when we stop pursuing God, the things that happens when we stop pursuing God. So I'm reading chapter 3 from verse 1. On my bed by night, I sought Him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will arise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him, and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the doors of the field, that you stir up or awaken love until it so pleases. May the Lord bless the reading of the scripture. As we read this portion of scripture. I like to remind people that whenever you see repetition in Scripture, there is emphasis. That repetition is there for a reason. God is wanting to draw attention to something. So in this first four verses we read, we see this phrase repeated four times. The one, him whom my soul loves. The one whom my soul loves. The reason I bring your attention to this, is the fact that when we meet with God, we realize that He loves us. He's our beloved. But we also intend to say He loves our souls. We love Him. He is the one whom our souls love. Our God is a God of love. So this morning, I want us to pursue Him through the eyes of love. He loves us so much that He sent His Son, His one and only Son, to die for us on the cross. I was so blown away. Yesterday, I was chatting with one of my cousins on WhatsApp. And he's just given his life to the Lord a few weeks back. By the way, let us not, pray, let us not stop praying for our families and relatives. Because God answers that prayer. As I was chatting with him on WhatsApp, and he was asking a few questions the question that drew my attention was this. He said, I do not deserve this, but why would he do this for me? Why would he die for me on the cross? You know how it's like when you're still a young believer, when you experience this joy, this happiness. This is what he said. He said, I don't understand that things around me are not, have not yet changed, but inside there's this joy, this happiness that I cannot explain. Let us not forget where we come from. Let us not forget that love relationship that God wants to have with us. So let's unpack this verses of Scripture. He says, On my bed by night I sought Him whom my soul loves. I sought Him, but I found Him not. So the first thing I want to submit to you this morning is when we don't seem to find God. Have you noticed that there are times in our walk with God that we don't find Him where we used to find Him? Have you noticed in our walk with God that there comes a time when I used to fast and pray and come before the Lord, and it was easy, I would just connect with Him. But this time, why is it so difficult to connect with Him? Peter Scazzaro writes a book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Leadership. And he writes there, he says that there are times when you go through the dark night of the soul. There are times when you go through a wall where it feels like God is distant, God is far from us. But actually when that happens, it's not time to run away from God, it's time to run towards God because He's calling you to deeper intimacy with Him. He's calling you to deeper intimacy with you. He's saying, you know what, you are used to this, I want you to go a little bit deeper to understand that I want to have this communion with you. I want you to go deep. I can explain it to you this way. Many years ago, when I was at boarding school, for those who have been in boarding school, we have Victory Weekend for you. (laughs) Victory Weekend, that's where we do inner healing and people get healed from whatever experiences they've had in the past. High school, I was at boarding school. And you know what I mean by that is the boarding master, I don't know what they call them today, house father, house mother, You know, there there was a curfew. You you come at 6 o'clock, the gate is locked, you can't go out. Then I got saved, and a couple of friends of mine, we got saved, and we were radically saved, and there was this lady who used to live a a few uh, meters away from the school. And this lady took us under her wing, and she was discipling us. We would have Bible studies, we would have connect group at our house. But the one thing that really, really impacted my life forever was we used to go to a house for all night of prayer every single Friday. That's how I was discipled in prayer. We would come on Friday from 9 p.m. we'll pray until 4 a.m and we'll go back and wait until 6 a.m. when the body master opens so we can go back in. The most funniest thing happened. We were doing so well in our studies That the body master says, I don't understand. You're spending so much time in prayer, but you're getting straight A's. I think you deserve to have a key for yourself. He gave us the key. Imagine you give teenagers the key to come in and out of body school. That was freedom. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Keep praying. (laughs) You'll be amazed what will happen when you pray. The body master gave us the key, so we'd go out to pray on Fridays. And sometimes we come back, sleep for two to three hours, go to the hospital, pray for people, and they'll be healed. In fact, we were known that when we come to the hospital, some people will be released from the hospital. That kind of prayer will take people with empty hospital beds. So what I'm saying to you is, there has been a time when you used to connect with God in that fashion. I remember those days that I would go fasting three to five days, no food, and I'll just connect with God. It was easy for me to pray one hour, three hours. It was so easy. And why, God, are you taking me through this wall only to find that God wanted to teach me to go deeper? So if you're finding yourself going through the dark night of the soul where it's difficult to connect with God, it's calling you to go deeper. So even now where I am today, I still would have those times to the Lord, but it doesn't have to be one hour. It doesn't have to be three hours. In five minutes, you can connect with God. In 10 minutes, you can connect with God. While you are driving in the car, as you pursue Him, you can connect with Him. The one whom my soul loves. The Shulamite woman is crying out and says, There was a time when I used to go and find Him, but now I cannot find Him. But she did not stay there. She says, I will arise and go about the city in the streets, in the squares, to seek Him. Him whom my soul loves. I want to encourage you that the spiritual disciplines that we have, they are there for a reason. When you read the word, when we pray, when we fast, even though it may be difficult, even though it costs us something, it is worth it. That leads me to the next point. Following hard after God. Following hard after God. You notice in verse 4 it says, when I found him whom my soul loves, I held him and would not let him go when I have experienced that intimate relationship with the Father, when I have been in His presence, when I have tasted of the goodness of the Lord, I will not let Him go. I want to stay there. It says in Psalm 63 verse 8, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. I had to find it in King James Version. I feel like it's a little bit more anointed. Followeth hard. James version, it's Shakespearean language. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. Someone said that values are not values until they cost you money. Values are not values until they cost you something. In fact, this was a speaker at the Buzz plenary last week, Ivan Morocco, who spoke about this. He said, It will cost you something. It will cost you something. So if you're following hard after God, it will definitely cost you something. It means that you will watch less of TV. How is it that we are able to binge watch the series that we like so much all through the night, but we cannot do half night of prayer? Let me not go there. How is it that, you know, you can watch one after the other episodes to see what happens at the end? Imagine if you spend that time in prayer. Nothing wrong with uh, prison breakers, just mentioning. (laughs) But I remember this whole thing about it cost you something. When I used to pursue Lindy, who is now my wife, the phone bill was not an issue. (laughs) When I used to pursue her, it was no issue at all because I knew that it was worth it. In fact, the best way to describe it is in the late 90s, I'm exposing my age now. I was working in Germany. And while working in Germany, I didn't have a cell phone. She had a cell phone. She came from a privileged background. (laughs) I had to hoi that one day. I would phone from Germany every single day because she's the one whom my soul loves. The the biggest cost of this trip was not the etiquette, was not the shopping it was the phone bill <laughs> when you love someone it'll cost you something if you miss god what do you do about it when you miss god what do you do about it friendships and marriages people drift apart because they've stopped pursuing each other we drift apart because we stop pursuing each other let's make it a little bit real a. W. Tozer writes in *The Pursuit of God*: "The modern scientist has lost God amid the wonders of his world. We Christians are in real danger of losing God amid the wonders of His Word. We are in real danger of reading the Word just casually and losing this amazing relationship we have with God. From Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Genesis, is this love relationship that we should have with God." I like Psalm 42. It says that as a deer pants for the waters, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for the living God. When will I go to meet with God? My soul cannot survive without this God. My soul needs this God. When can I go and meet with Him? Dallas Willard puts it this way. Christianity is first and foremost a relationship with God, not a set of rules and regulations. The spiritual disciplines are means to bring us into deeper interaction with God and His kingdom. The goal of prayer, reading the Bible, fasting, etc., it is to know God better. We don't do it just because Pastor Simon said we must do it. We don't do it because the Connect Group leader said we must do it. We don't do it just because I feel better because I've done it. We do it because we want to know God better. We want to go deep with God. Let me explain it this way. Dr. Brendan Belsham, he comes to this church and he teaches at the pre-child dedication course. Not pre-child, pre-dedication course. And he teaches about attachment. He says that the first two years, this is what research and studies show, the first two years of a baby on earth are the most critical years of any baby on earth, any child on earth. It means that in the first few weeks and the first few months, the baby attaches to the mother. And that attachment is a psychological and emotional bond between the mother and the child. It leads to a child having the sense of security that I'm safe when I'm with mom. I am in a good place. The opposite, though, teaches that when children lack that, they don't find that emotional attachment and security with the mother, they grow up and they struggle with insecurity They struggle to relate with other people. They struggle to relate with their own feelings and the feelings of others. So you ask yourself, why we have what we have? Why is the world the way it is today? Is there certain basic fundamentals that were not in place for some of us? But then you take the same picture to who we are as human beings. And I come up with this phrase and this statement that a soul that is distant to its creator will lack peace. A soul that is distant from its maker will lack this emotional security that we should all have. So do yourself a favor. Stay attached to God. Stay connected to God. This leads us to our last point for today. When men stop pursuing God, it is on purpose that I said men, though it is all humankind, though it's all men and women, but specifically, what happens when men stop pursuing God? A soul that's distanced from its creator lacks peace. So let's read chapter 5. I'm reading from verse 2. The Shulamite woman is on this journey of seeking after the one whom she loves. I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound. My beloved is knocking. Don't you remember Revelation 3, verse 20? My beloved, my Lord is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. I so sort of enjoy reading this book. I get ideas. Hey, of. I impress Lindy from time to time, especially when you read the message uh, paraphrase. My sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks, meaning my hair, I think they meant to say my dreadlocks, my dreadlocks with drops of the night. I had put off my garment, how could I put it on again? I had bathed my feet, how could I soil them? My beloved put his hand on the ledge, and my heart was thrilled within me. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. If we pause here for a bit before we go to the next verse, here's a wonderful picture of this woman saying, I am longing to meet with my beloved. I am in bed but my mind is awake. I cannot sleep and I hear a knock and he's coming. That's him. I'm excited that he's coming but I have excuses. I have excuses of going out. I've already put on my garment. How can I soil my feet again? Don't we have excuses? We are longing for God but we have all the excuses why we cannot wake up just 30 minutes before normal time to be with the beloved. We have all the excuses. It's cold, or I don't know, you having to get kids ready for school. You know, I remember speaking to Pastor Brett Fuller, David Webb's pastor from America. I I mean, this is a guy with seven children, right? I asked him. My kids were still very small at the time. It was just chaos. I couldn't have quiet time. Quiet time was not quiet time. Forget the word quiet. And I asked him and I said to him, Pastor Brett. You know, is there a little bit of grace, you know, while you have small children, that you don't have to have quiet time? And he says, no, 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 you wake up before they wake up. Oh, that didn't help me. <laughs> but that actually did help me because we do have excuses why we cannot pursue him. We want him, our soul longs for him. They long for him, Our soul long for him, but we have excuses of why we can't be with him. So let's not have excuses. This is the main part of this point, verse 7. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. They beat me, they bruised me. They looked, they took away my veil. Those watchmen on the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I'm sick with love. Others say, "How is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? How is your beloved better than others that you so charge us?" At the end, she says, his mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. I'm really troubled by this verse. Just if you think that the Bible doesn't address things that we are facing. Here's a picture of watchmen, the security guards, the police. They found me as they were making their rounds. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak. And I would say, actually it was ESV, it says that they took away my veil. They took away my innocence. The very people that were supposed to protect the woman are the ones harassing and abusing her. The very people. As I was reading this and I said, Lord, what do you want to say to us this morning? When men stop pursuing God and the fear of God is no longer in our hearts, women and children suffer the brunt of our brokenness when man loses that touch with God and how God wants us to treat women, it is the women and children who suffer the brunt of our brokenness. Where does the brokenness come from? The brokenness comes from lack of fathering. We know that it was this week that men are trash trash was, was trending because of what is happening in our nation, in our society today. It was a few days later on Wednesday that hashtag... Dear Absent Father, was trending. It's no coincidence. You read through what people were saying. Dear Absent Father, I am where I am today because you were not there to teach me, to train me how I should treat women. Dad, where are you? Fathers, where are you? When we're supposed to teach men how they should treat women. The lack of fathering in our lives as men is grossly understated. And we need the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing and restore us. We need to rise up as men in the church and deal with the psyche that is in men, whether it's our friends, our colleagues, or men around us, and say, Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Just yesterday, there was a march where men were saying, Not in my name. Not in my name. We will not tolerate this. As ours, preparing this sermon and I go to post office on Friday to, pre- to pay for my TV license we have to pay for our TV license that was not in the notes the security guy at the post office is having this conversation with a woman the teller and as they're having this conversation I'm minding my own business I'm leaving them having their conversation I'm on my phone but I'm hearing the conversation and this guy is saying to the lady the problem is with you women At that point, holy anger inside of me just rose up. And I said, no, the problem is with us men, not the women. It is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. We cannot allow for women to be treated that way. It is wrong. It is wrong. I have two daughters, and any sister in the house of the Lord is my sister. It is wrong. Women cannot be treated that way. I said to the guy, I said, never, you speak like that again. I believe you'll never forget me. I was ready to call David Webb if I was in trouble. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> now, seriously closing. How is your beloved better than others? When, we, when people see the way God treats us, and how we treat others by virtue of the transformation that's taking place in our lives, they will ask this question. How is your beloved better than others? Most beautiful of women, how is your beloved better than others that you so so charge us? She responds. She gives a whole list of things. And at the bottom, she says, the last verse of the chapter, his mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether, not just some parts, altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem. We need to change the narrative. We need to change the narrative. Men are not trash. Men are fathers and brothers who are supposed to be havens for our sisters and mothers. We need to change the narrative. We need to change it. As women speak about us, they will say they are all together lovely. When they speak to us, it's sweetness. They know how to speak to us. Ask my son. I will not let him disrespect his mother. Never. If anything, that's the one rule that he can never break. We need to send this different narrative. Let's stand to pray. If you say, how does God treat us? What is this new narrative that we're talking about? How does God treat us? God looks at us and he says, they are the apple of my eyes. We are his chosen generation. We are the royal priesthood. We are the crown of his splendor. We are heirs of his kingdom. We are his treasured sons and daughters. When God looks at us, that's how he sees. He looks at us and he says, these are my beloved. So this morning, two kinds of prayers I want us to pray this morning. First, I want to pray that we will pursue God. We will pursue God. The second prayer of us other men to come and pray this prayer with me is to stand in the gap and say, enough is enough. To stand in the gap and say, being a male is by virtue of birth. Being a man is by choice. Let's choose to be men. Let's choose to be men who will use our strength accordingly and appropriately. Lord, I pray this morning that God, we will not listen to the word, be hearers of the word and walk away. May we go back and change how we do life. May we go back and change how we prioritize. May we go back and change so that we can pursue you and put you first, Lord God. Lord, I pray that as the Shulamite woman was just crying and longing for you, as David would speak, as a deer pants for the waters of the valley. So my soul pants for you. May we long for you because we realize that our souls are not in a good place when we are not connected, when we are not attached to our heavenly Father, to our Creator, to our Maker. We need to stay attached. We need to stay connected. We need to stay healthy. And that health comes from being connected to you. Lord, I pray that we will remain connected to you and go deep. I'm going to ask Simon and Graham just to come and pray. They're going to stand on behalf of men this morning and pray that the scourge and what's happening to us, our women in the nation, will change.